On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk to Court Lockwood, co-owner of Whisper Ridge, a backcountry ski, mountain biking, and fishing resort based out of paradise. We discuss the ins and outs of running a resort, why he loves the backcountry, and the ski industry in northern Utah. Welcome back. Uh, this is Chase with the Highlander Podcast, and excited to talk with our guest today, Court Lockwood, one of the co-owners of Whisper Ridge Backcountry Resort uh, here in, in northern Utah. Uh, excited to have you here. Uh, you guys yeah, are based out of... Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. You're based out of Paradise and Eden. We are. Um, do you mind telling me a little bit about yourself, yeah, your, no your role with the organization, and and the history of Whisper Ridge, and what is Whisper Ridge? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, my name is Court Lockwood, uh, co-owner of Whisper Ridge. Um, it's me and my dad that started this and it's kind of been family business ever since. And it's been really fun to kind of start it from, from the inception and run with the passion that we have for the outdoors. But history of Whisper Ridge, um, goes back quite a ways. So the land that we operate on, I've, I've been on since I was a little kid. My dad used to take me up there and, uh, we'd go up on snowmobiles and he'd pull me behind on sleds and skis and pull me up to the top, we'd ski down. So we always knew the skiing was incredible. Um, and it's kind of funny that the name Whisper Ridge, um, where that came from actually is, uh, no mountain range up there. It's called Bear River Range, uh, no peaks, um, really nothing up there is named. All the farmers have like third fork, second fork, left fork. Um, and so there's really nothing, nothing to tie it down, no names that anybody knew it by. And so we always just kind of referred to it as there's one ridge, that Bear River Ridge that runs all the way through us. Um, I always just kind of referred to that as Whisper Ridge. Um, it was kind of the hidden, hidden secret of the area. You can't see it from anywhere. There's no end holdings. There's no permanent structures, no roads. Um, so you, you got to get deep in the backcountry to be able to access it, which is, which is part of the beauty. Um, and so it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun doing this. So you've been playing on the land for, I mean, for your whole life. Yes, yeah, as, as long as I can remember. You guys are from the area. How did you... How'd you come across that property? Is it just family owned for a long time? How did yeah, so it's been in the family. Um, cool history about that land, actually. Uh, back in the Golden Spike era, uh, when they were finishing the railroad, where they were finishing the railroad was, um, it was all private land, and they needed it to be public in order to, to finish that railroad. So what they did is a land swap with the private owners that were in that area uh, for some of this mountain land. So there's, I mean, 100 plus thousand acres right there of private land, no end holdings, no roads, nothing. It's super rare to have that on any mountain range in Utah. And we're, we're very lucky to be able to, to access that. What is the size of the resort? I guess like what, how much land are you guys using? Yeah. So we operate on about 70,000 acres, um, which is just an unbelievable amount of terrain. It takes, I mean, if you're driving a snowmobile from one end to the other, it's an hour and a half drive uh, just on the snowmobile so there's a lot to operate on most of it is helicopter access and then we have our zone that we kind of we operate our snowcats on mostly so when did you guys open it up to when did you create the business you guys have been playing on it for a long time and probably taking friends and family but when when did you guys open it up to to 2015 was our was our first year um and how that came about was like i said we used to we used to go up there and play on it all the time knew how good it was um and the, one of the growing kind of problems we have in Utah in general is places to go. Um, 
we're growing as a state rapidly. Uh, our exponential growth is it's off the charts. It's going to continue to grow. Problem with that is it's hard to find places to go and experience the experiences that our, our fathers and mothers and grandfathers had when they were our age. My dad tells me stories all the time about places he used to go hunt and fish and ski, and they're all almost all developed now um, right here in town. And this is one of the last places that it's really private like that, and you're able to enjoy all that. So the reason we started is we wanted to wanted to kind of share those experiences with people, uh, let them let them experience what we've been super lucky to be able to experience our whole lives. Um, and so we got our first snowcat and uh, started taking people um, that winter and just word of mouth marketing. Um, there was really no marketing efforts there, just to see if it was viable, see if people would like it and see if people would, would pay to come do it. And word of mouth spread like wildfire and that first year we were we were almost completely booked for our one snowcat that we we bought that year and decided to buy another um, that season and started taking two snowcats towards the end of the year and that's kind of when we knew that this this would work um, people were loving loving the ski terrain loving just being up in the backcountry seeing the animals the moose that were that were crossing paths with you and just it's just it's a beautiful area I love uh, I love that idea that you guys are trying to create something different from the other resorts that are out there um, that are maybe a little easier to access, right? You've got lifts and everything to get you back up in there. But with that, you get a lot more people. You do, right? Yeah. So I, I think it's pretty cool that you guys are doing something um, that kind of harkens back to, to, like you said, your 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 dad, you know, grandparents being able to go back and truly experience the outside and, and having some of that solitude and that experience being outside. Yeah, you guys are harkening back to that, which I think is really cool. And and kind of leads me to a question, what's what's the market? Like, what are who are the people you're trying to reach? I, I think we kind of alluded to that. People who don't want to have to fight the crowds, who yeah. want more of a solitary experience. But what's what's the market like? Yeah, it's the, the market's growing rapidly. Um, the ski industry alone is growing super fast. And within that, the backcountry kind of niche that we have going right now, uh, which is going to continue to grow, is growing super fast. And it's fun for, for people to get out into the backcountry and experience nature without people everywhere. Um, be able to just have that medicinal feeling of being in the backcountry alone. Um, that's kind of what we wanted to kind of create up there, uh, this safe haven that people can come to, um, get a little bit of an adrenaline rush from cat skiing and heli skiing, and be able just to enjoy fresh powder turns every turn. I mean, you remember going to ski resorts growing up, I'm sure, when you get there in the morning and you know your first two turns are going to be excellent. We want that all day. And so that's what we've tried to create up there where I mean, you're, every single run is, is a powder run. And the way to do that is to have just immense backcountry and limit the amount of people that you're taking up there. Um, and snowcats enable you to do that. Um, it's, I mean, you can look at it like a giant gondola. It's heated in there. You got music. You got all your friends. It's, it's a blast. It's a real good time. Walk me through a day. Like, how does this work? So someone goes to your website, calls you up, they book an appointment, set yeah. a time to, to come in. Typically, it's it's kind of an event. They set a time, they come, they meet up. W what does that day look like yeah. for someone who wants to come an up? An event is a really good way to look at it. Um, we don't have walk-in, um, book-the-day-of type trips. Um, you're booking usually a week or so out. Uh, we get people that 
they know they're vacationing February, the second week of February. Um, they're booking now. Um, they're booking on their trip for next year. Um, booking weeks that they know they're going to be out there. And we also, the beauty of being so close to the airport, um, we have the ability, I and mean, people have the ability to follow storms, even from Boston. Be able to see a storm coming in uh, on the weekend and know that you have the weekend off flying from Boston and you're skiing with us in five hours. Um, which cat skiing and heli skiing, the industry in general, that's it's uh, impossible to do that anywhere uh, besides here in Utah with us and Park City Powder Cats and um, Powder Mountain before we were kind of teaming up with them. Um, and so you're a couple legs of a trip out to BC to, to get on a cat. Um, and that's, that's kind of why we wanted to do this the way we did it was have the access that you could uh, get out here in five hours from Boston and be snowcat skiing. When someone comes in, how do you decide where you're going to take them? Is that collaborative? Are you working together to, to talk about what type of experience they want? Or do you have certain spots that you make sure to, to, to get people at? What does that process yeah, look like? Yeah, definitely. So the way that looks, uh, when somebody books, we get we vet them pretty uh, pretty thoroughly to skier ability, um, what their experience is in the backcountry, and then we put together snowcats accordingly. So if we have a, an experienced group, um, we try to put the entire experienced group in one snowcat, and if we have another cat that day going out with um, – less experienced folks, we put them together in the same cat so they can all kind of get the same experience. There's not one or two people holding them up. And then after that, we have uh, feet on the ground every single day doing snow safety, um, checking checking all of our snow tail sites and seeing what the snowpack looks like for upcoming trips. Um, and then morning of that trip, we have our snow safety guys out there checking snow stability for that day. And according to kind of what we get back from them, um, we make those decisions accordingly on what pitch we're going to be skiing on that day or what aspect, um, kind of make those decision, those decisions as they come. That's awesome. What was, you mentioned, sounds like there's a team involved. What does the team look like for, for the organization? Yeah. So we have, so it's me and my dad, um, that kind of run the operation. And then we've got our mountain ops director, Wes Light. Um, who's an absolute stud. Um, the guy's been everywhere. He's guided in Alaska for years, had his own company here in the Wasatch Front. and He heads up all of our snow safety. Um, we've got two guides per snowcat. Um, got a lead guide and a tail guide. And then we've got one to two snow safety guys um, per location out there doing, doing snow safety all day, uh, morning and evening briefs. And then We've got our hospitality team as well. Oh, that's awesome. So about how, how many people would you say are involved in the operation? At our peak, um, I'd say we've got about 25 to 35 people um, kind of wrapped up in the operation. That's pretty impressive considering, I mean, you guys haven't been around too long as a formal organization. Yeah, we've, a good we've team. grown pretty fast. That's great. Um, I know you guys have received a lot of great press as well. As, as that, has that been something that you've been seeking out? Has people organically found you? What's, what's that been I'd like? I'd say almost all of it's been organic, which has been awesome. Um, we get a lot of people that reach out, and it's, it's kind of a, a different experience that we don't have um, many options to, to get here in the United States. 
Uh, and so when we kind of announced we were doing this, we got we got a lot of people reaching out, wanting to come up and check it out. Um, and there was just it was it was great for us. It was great for them to be able to get them up there, experience it, and then uh, kind of help us get our word out, get the word out about us. Um, and so that all the organic growth there was it was great. Yeah. And what's what's the landscape look like for a, a backcountry resort like this in the state and in, in the region? I, obviously, we've got a lot of resorts in the state that have have lifts and more of the traditional experience. Uh, are there other resorts in the state that are doing purely backcountry, hella skiing, cat skiing like yeah, you guys are doing? Yeah, there's, there's a couple other companies that do it too. Um, there's Park City Powder Cats um, out of Park City that does snow cat skiing. Um, and then there's a company called, um, um, there's a helicopter company out of, there's actually two more. So there's Powderbird um, out of the Wasatch Front as well. Uh, does helicopter skiing. Um, then there's another little company out of the Ogden Valley does um, kind of helicopter tours here and there. Any large difference between what you guys are doing and they're doing? Maybe the fact that you guys own the land and have greater access is... is yeah, that? that's that's one of the biggest things. Um, all of the land that we operate on is private. So it's all behind locked gates, um, which allows us to regulate who's up there. Um, there's a lot of, most of the companies that do this are on leases, uh, with the forest service that they're, they're battling with, with other people that are up there already. Um, and that, that's one of the, it's, it's a big asset for us, uh, to be able to operate on land that we know that we're, we're the only ones that are going to be there. Right. You, you mentioned people coming all the way from the East coast to, to have this experience. Where are you seeing most of your customers coming from it's had a lot of local a lot of out of state a mix we get a pretty good mix um but i would say that greater than half of our guests uh, do come from the east coast uh, we get a lot from boston new york um we get some from dc we actually get quite a bit from texas which is mm. which is uh kind of surprised me when we started getting those but uh we get a lot from california and then we do get a lot of locals that are kind of on our locals list that We'll follow snow, um, storm patterns and kind of be out here on good days. So can you talk a little bit about, I know the hella skiing was a big introduction for you guys. What, what was that like? You were doing cat skiing before, probably a lower I don't, barrier to entry to doing that. You, you get it, you train yourself on, on how to drive that. It's a little more manageable. How do you introduce hella skiing into an operation like this? Yeah, no, definitely. That's, it was a big introduction for sure. Um, as we were taking snowcat skiers, we just we got a lot of people that were super interested in in doing heli with us. Um, and as we vetted that process, uh, kind of came to the conclusion that there was a lot of people that wanted to do it. Um, and so we kind of started to figure out what the best way to go about that was. Um, we ended up teaming up with uh, a couple couple companies that do helicopter skiing, um, and we've ran with those guys and. Uh, it's been it's been awesome. So we bring in we bring in companies that that know what they're doing with the helicopters. Um, they fly them for us, and we we operate the skiing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the back end part. Some of this, you know, I just wanted to peel back the curtain. It's you know, for someone like you know who's listening to this, they probably want to know what does it take to bring in heli skiing into an area, and are, you know, are you guys owning and operating that, or do you bring in a specialist? That's that's interesting to hear. I wanted to pivot a little bit. But along the same vein, you guys introduced hella biking. 
We did for, yeah. for mountain bikers. So you guys aren't exclusively a backcountry ski resort. You guys offer a lot of outdoor recreation opportunities. Can you touch on uh, the other opportunities that you, guided services that you offer outside of snow sports, including heli biking, which I, I know is a big deal when you guys introduced that. Yeah, definitely. So kind of the, the history on that, like when we talked about uh, the experiences that, that my dad used to have and grandpa used to have, um, we wanted to be able to offer uh, a little bit of everything for people that want to just experience the backcountry um, in different ways. And we knew that in order to, to do what we wanted to do, we'd have to be a year-round resort. Um, and so we started offering um, razor tours. We started offering hiking. Um, and then we got just an unbelievable amount of people that wanted to do mountain biking. So as we started to look into the mountain biking, what that would take, and most, most resorts that do this are lift accessed for downhill biking. Um, that's not something we're, we're really wanting to do. Um, and so we started looking into kind of utilizing our helicopters that we've already got um, and did a lot of market research on that and found the only places to do that are um, Canada and British Columbia. And it kind of surprised us, honestly, that that hadn't been introduced to the United States yet. They're, the mountain biking industry, is it's huge, um, especially the downhill uh, sector. And so we started to look into that and kind of put together numbers, put together operations for that and um, started to figure out it was something that we could do and it was going to be something we wanted to do. And so when we announced it, it was kind of an announcement to see what the, the public thought and see if uh, it was something, again, like the cat skiing, if it was going to be viable. And we've had just a tremendous amount of response from it and people are loving it and we... Uh, we hired a team to come out and build the trail for us that are kind of local legends in the trail building um, sector, and they've knocked it out of the park. They've done a great job on our, our trails, and it's been a lot of fun. So with that, on the trail side of things, how closely are you working with Cache County? I know they've got a Cache Trails Planner. He was on a previous podcast of ours, uh, Dayton Kreitz. How much are you interfacing uh, with them to understand what their master trails plan is for, for the public lands and how you can tie into that? Is that something that you guys have, have talked about or worked with yeah, them on? Yeah, we, uh, we've, we've talked to them a little bit. It hasn't been something that we've uh, collaborated on by any means. Um, where we're, we're all private, we've kind of done our, our, our own thing and kind of looked at the research that they've done and kind of seen, seen what people like. Uh, and we built our trails kind of accordingly. Do you guys have a master plan for for a trail system? I know you, you're you're starting to carve some. You've got some existing. Is there more in the works? There is. So we have one blue trail completed, um, and this week we'll actually be completing our green trail, um, and then we'll be striking ground on our black trail, um, which is going to be going to be super fun to introduce that. And I'm guessing black, most intense, green, blue. What's yeah, a lot like green? skiing. Okay, similar. Grading. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you mentioned this earlier, uh, just, just some of the other sports you or recreation opportunities that you, you offer. We talked a little bit off air about fly fishing. Yeah. So that's another service that you guys offer is some, some guided, guided tours. We do. So we've got, we've got three different tributaries that, um, flow through our ranch and they all offer a different type of fishing. Um, we're all very avid fly fishermen. That's one of our biggest passions. 
and to be able to take people out and show them what we love so much is it's one of my favorite things to do um we started taking fly fishermen out and kind of hiking into these remote areas um and it was it was taking a while to get there because we're so far back there and we decided you know like the helicopter is kind of what we do <laughs> so we decided to introduce the helicopter fly fishing and that's been it's been great um it allows us to access some of the the rivers and creeks that really have never been fished um that people really don't even know are there um we've got some of the last remnants of the bonneville cutthroat which is one of utah's native cutthroat um that's been a fun project we've been we've been doing and uh, restoring the bonneville cutthroat uh, population and so we've got a tributary you can fish for bonneville cutthroat that you can't find in very many places we've got uh beaver ponds that house i mean there's 23, 25 inch browns in there that you would not believe have made their way there. Um, we've got we've got a tributary that comes up from Porcupine Dam that the Kokanee salmon run up during the spawn. Um, it's really just it's kind of the the place that time forgot. Um, it's just a beautiful area and it offers a little bit of everything. Tell me a little bit more about trying to strengthen the populations that are there. What what goes into that, making sure that those some, some of those native fish continue to, to thrive in that area and you can preserve that as an opportunity? Yeah, so it's kind of cool to, to see the history and, and look at how they got there. Um, the Bonneville cutthroat were, were back in the day of Lake Bonneville. Um, last, we've got one of the last remnants that have made it since then. Um, there's, there's places in Utah you can go fish for Bonneville cutthroat that have been um, placed there and, and transplanted. Um, these are, they're natural. They've been there forever. And so it's cool when we uh, are down there fishing, we'll, if there's browns in that river as well, there's browns and um, Bonneville cutthroat. So when we catch the browns, we transplant them to, to other ponds and rivers and uh, kind of get them out of there so that it's, it's a place that those Bonneville cutthroat can, can thrive. We've built side channel ponds that they can overwinter in and built new habitat for them. And it's been a really fun project. I've got so many questions about all the infrastructure that it takes to, to create an environment, a resort like this. I was just thinking about flying in with a helicopter. You guys have to have to clear land or, um, you know, create spaces where these helicopters can land. Like what are some of the infrastructure things, um, you know, challenges that maybe you encountered that when you guys first thought about creating a resort like this, you know, sprung up and maybe caught you off guard. What are some of the things yeah, that you definitely. didn't know that, you know, were challenges that you've had to face as you've yeah. built this up? So there's nice part about, um, the ranches that we operate on. Um, they were all logged about 30, 40 years ago. Um, while they logged those, they built old logging roads, skitter decks and stuff that they could move those logs around with. Um, and in the process of thinning those trees made it better ski terrain without thinking about it. Mm. Um, and so some of the terrain is, it's just, it's perfect tree skiing. We've, we've got a little bit of everything. Um, and that tree skiing can really be accredited to that being logged back then. And it allows us to operate on those roads with snowcats. Um, we can build snow roads just about anywhere. Um, having an existing road makes that process a lot easier. Uh, you can access them a lot earlier in the season. Um, and so having those old logging roads that you can't drive on in the summer, um, because they've grown in, um, make for really good snow roads in the winter. Um, thing with that is, like I said, they've grown in, um, some of those roads required taking some, some brush cutters and kind of trimming back the trees so that they're not scratching up the cats. 
Um, that was one of the kind of struggles, getting to certain locations. Snowcats are, they're pretty big. They hold, I mean, our snowcats hold up to 15 people in the back of them wow. and then two in the front. So you can imagine the size, just sheer shot, sheer size of those uh, snowcats. So trimming back some of the trees, getting access to the places we want to go, that was, that was a little tough. Um, as far as um, LZs and PZs, uh, landing zones and pickup zones for the helicopter, um, all of our ridges are just pretty much bare, um, which allow us to land anywhere we want to drop off. Um, there are limitations for some of our pickup zones. Um, and over time, we've, we've thinned out areas um, that we can land that we couldn't before, uh, which allows us to access just an unbelievable amount of terrain just by thinning one little zone for the rotors. And then some of the other infrastructure I know you guys have added are, are some yurts. So there's some overnight opportunities as well. Uh, it, it seems like that's that's probably the main challenge for anyone who wants to start a resort, right? It's like the capital needed to get the infrastructure going. So it's it's interesting to hear that there's exi- existing roads, some existing infrastructure to help lessen that burden a little bit um, to help get this off the ground. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about Powder Mountain. Yeah. Huge resource. We talked a little bit about it off air as well, but a huge resource that's largely cut off from people in Cache Valley, unless you want to go all the way around into Ogden, uh, up into the Ogden Valley to, to access Powder Mountain, but uh, a new partner for, for you guys. What's that relationship between Whisper Ridge and, and Powder Mountain? How's that partnership been? Yeah, that's a, that's been a great relationship. Um, couldn't have asked for, for better partners than those guys. Um, building that relationship has been a lot of fun, and it's allowed um, Powder Mountain guests to access snowcat skiing, helicopter skiing, and yurt stays right from the resort. Um, it's also allowed us to book people through them um, as a third party and kind of really build the awareness of, of both brands. Um, they've been great to work with and excited to see where that goes. So how much overlap is there between the land that you guys operate on and, and Powder Mountain? And I'm assuming that some of it crosses over. And yeah, so that? our ranch is butt up right against Powder Mountain. That's what, that's what made this such a, a good relationship to have. Um, we border Powder Mountain and it allows us to have the biggest ski resort in North America now with their new lifts right next to the biggest backcountry resort in the, in the world, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, all the opportunities we've got right here in Northern Utah, um, and it's, it's not as known. Um, the awareness is, it's not there yet. Uh, people aren't really aware of what Northern Utah has to offer. Um, which some people like. <laughs> I think there's the benefit, you know, there's some benefits and some drawbacks for having Sardine Canyon, for having, you know, having to go up Ogden Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some drawbacks, but some benefits as well, right? It's great for us because, you know, a little less skied. Um, but I'm sure for you guys, you you want you want a little more business. You want you want more people coming up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what are some of the other other benefits? Why Northern Utah for you guys? What do you what is it? You know, besides having Powder Mountain next door, what is it that you guys love about living and operating in this region? Yeah, this region is is very special, um, very close to our hearts, um, and not just special because of that reason, but s- super special because of what it offers. Um, this area, which a lot of people don't know, um, has its own climate almost. Um, we get these wraparound storm effects um, that sit here and hover over us. We get these uh, northwest flows, especially, that 
we'll come down into the south end of Cache Valley and get trapped by Ben Lohman and James Peak and sit here and hover over Powder Mountain, um, us at Whisper Ridge. And because of that, I mean, we're a thousand to two thousand feet lower than um, the cottonwoods and we get as much snow as them. Oh, wow. So really? you got like Alta, Snowbird, um, that area that gets up about 500 inches annually. The only other resorts that get that are us in Powder Mountain. Really? Wow. That's I impressive. mean, to, to kind of put that in perspective, you've got Snow Basin that's just south of Powder Mountain mm-hmm. um, and only averaged a little bit over 300 wow. inches annually. That's the kind of storm effect we get here on the Bear River Range that people just aren't aware of. Wow. That's incredible. I'm kind of going to go another direction a little bit. Talked about Powder Mountain, how it's a little roundabout to get to from people here in the north. We'll get into this topic because it's a big one. Uh, but what are some of the other opportunities or challenges, or, you know, things that you think Cache uh, County, this region could overcome? What would you like to see changed to uh, for more outdoor recreation opportunities to, to thrive here in the region? What, yeah, what do you want to see changed? What's your wish list? I'd say the biggest thing and really the, the one thing that I come back to um, would be the awareness. Um, I just don't think that people know what's up here. You get people that fly into uh, Salt Lake and the first place they go is the Cottonwoods. Um, and you're hearing all the stories now about how hard it is to get up and down that road and how many people there are. And um, I think when people start to realize what, what this region has to offer, um, it's inevitable there's gonna be more people um, coming up to enjoy it. Um, and it's just, I think, getting the word out there of how great it is up here um, is going to bring a lot of business to a lot of a lot of folks. I think you guys are definitely doing your part. It, it takes people who are passionate about outdoor recreation to go and just build it, regardless of what anyone else says. Is there anything that you'd like to see cities, community, the state do to better support this region? Um, other organizations, I know Ski Ski Utah. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys work with them a little bit. I know we traditionally do, yeah. they work with with more, uh, I guess, the traditional resorts. Um, but what would you like to see from those entities? I think I'd like to con- just see them continue to do what they're doing. I think, uh, I, there's not a thing I can put my finger on and say, um, they should improve here or there. Um, I'd say things are, things are looking good for sure. I'm excited the way things are going. That's great. So one, you know, I was reserving this, um, towards the end, but I think there's one issue that I think could be transformative for for outdoor recreation opportunities here in the region um, that would provide greater access for people in the community to world-class opportunities and that's Avon Pass yeah and I know this issue comes up every few years um, I know it's pretty pretty hairy in the winter it's closed during a good mm-hmm. good uh, portion of the winter um, and for those who don't know south end of the valley um, through paradise and into Avon you know, there's a road that gets closed down through, through the winter time. Right. Um, it's drivable every other time of the year. It is. Right? Yeah. Um, but wintertime it gets closed down. Um, if that were open and accessible and, um, you know, people from, from Cache Valley, Southern Idaho could then go and, and access Powder Mountain. What do you think that would do for the community? I think it'd be awesome. Um, I'd love to see it happen. That's a, it's a road I grew up right next to, um, one I used to ride my motorcycle on growing up. And it's uh, it's one of the last roads on any of the Wasatch that's not connected. Um, it's 
I mean, state highway on both sides. Uh, it'd be great to see it connected. Um, I think apart from the recreational opportunities it brings, um, I think it could be an asset to Utah. Mostly, I mean, you got I-15 is really our only other way to get um, from the south to the north up here. And you look back, I mean, if we get another one of those 100-year storms we get every once in a while and that uh, Willard Basin washes out and we get, I mean, there's landslides that could cover that I-15 I or the 84 highway as well. Um, I think that allows us to get around it. I think it could be a could help some some public safety issues too. Right, because because for people in Cache Valley, Southern Idaho, if they want to access uh, Whisper Ridge, do they do that from Paradise, or do they can they drive through there, or do they have to go all the way around to, to yeah. get to you guys? Do you access from Paradise? We do. So we access from Paradise as well. Um, this coming season, uh, we'll be accessing primarily from Eden. Um, and to answer that question, yeah, they they have to come around I-15 and kind of come the whole way around to get to Eden. Okay, so lots of incentive for for those, you know, in higher up positions than me, higher pay grade to, to try to figure that out. Um, but I think it takes, you know, opportunities like this, individuals like yourself who are building something uh, really incredible, an asset to the community, uh, people like me, people who are listening to this, to advocate for for some of these changes. And, and I, I don't know exactly who manages that. Is that a UDOT? issue is is that the state level that they would need to it, i think it'd have to be um or is that the city a little bit of county weber cash and then the state as well okay. um i think it had to be a team effort okay well we'll we'll let people think about that one i think that's a huge topic and and one of our greatest uh, greatest opportunities when it yeah. comes to outdoor recreation Definitely. here in, in the region any other opportunities that you see in the region? It, it can be snow sports related. What are other opportunities that you're excited for for Cache Valley when it comes to outdoor rec? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's exciting to see the the growth in in the backcountry. Um, just in general, you got all the skiing that you're seeing little stores here in the valley now carry backcountry gear, mm-hmm. uh, which is really fun to see. Hmm. Getting people out and just experiencing what nature has to offer. Um, there's a lot of a lot of cool experiences up Logan Canyon, um, a lot of public offerings, and then there's the private offerings uh, as well that are a little harder to get to, and we're trying to trying to bring to the public. You mentioned uh, some of the stores now carrying more backcountry um, focused um, gear. Uh, any brand partnerships that you guys are excited about? Um, I know, I mean, gear is so much of what you guys do and yeah, it's so important to you. Do you have any partnerships that that uh, make what you do possible? Yeah, definitely. So uh, this last season we partnered with uh, Black Diamond, uh, which has been an awesome partnership. Uh, they make some of the best gear in the in the industry. Um, it's fun to outfit our, our guides in some of the best gear and uh, it helps them get their, their gear in front of the people that are going to be buying it. Um, I couldn't be happier with the partnership we've, we've built with them. So what's next? Do you guys have anything that you, you can share anything you're excited about when it comes to uh, whisper Ridge? Yeah, we've got, we've got some fun projects coming down the pipeline. Um, like the, like the name, uh, kind of mentions the whisper Ridge. We're going to kind of keep this on the down low and, uh, as they come, we'll, we'll release them and, uh, we've got some fun things coming for sure. Okay. So with that, how do we stay in touch with you? to hear about those things. Yeah. Up. So we'll, we'll be announcing, uh, 
some of the stuff we're doing over Facebook, Instagram. Um, those are probably the two best ways to stay in touch and then our website. Um, and some of our, our brand partners will be uh, announcing those as well. Awesome. So we'll link to those um, in the show notes. So Facebook, Instagram, Whisper Ridge. Yeah. You'll, we'll find you guys. Thanks again for coming on. This has been great. I've learned a lot. And Whisper Ridge is such a huge resource to the community. Appreciate everything you guys are building. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thanks for it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more outdoor stories and content, connect with us on highlandermag.com. Oh,